SEC fans, this is John Christ, senior writer for Saturday Down South, and welcome to another installment of the SDS Podcast. Coming to you from the iHeartMedia studio, WDAE in Tampa, Florida, 620 AM and 95.3 FM. You can follow me on Twitter at SaturdayJC. Our guest for this episode is Dan Wolken. He's a national columnist at USA Today, both college football and college basketball, and he breaks a lot of news in this business. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Dan Wolken. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the show. It's good to talk to you again. Hey, what's going on? I'm doing great. Before we get started, the Saturday Down South podcast is brought to you by SweetHop.com. Georgia and Auburn are set to face off in the brand new Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. That's where Dan lives, by the way. This weekend in the SEC championship game. But many fans of other schools in the best conference in America have bowl games to look forward to as well. Alabama, Kentucky, LSU, Mississippi State, Missouri, South Carolina, Texas A&M, all bowl eligible. Now is the time to start th- start thinking about taking your family and friends to a bowl game. Thanks to SweetHop.com, you can get out of the crowd and into a private luxury suite where you can experience your team from the best sight lines in the entire stadium, and that stadium is magnificent. Check it out. All postseason bowl game availability at SweetHop.com today. That's S-U-I-T-E-H-O-P.com. And now Dan Walken. Dan, I, I hope you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend, but I'm guessing if it was anything like mine, you spent way too much of it glued to a wild and crazy ride on the SEC coaching carousel. Yeah, just this time of year, you can't really sleep too much or leave your phone too much you just kind of have to you want to be on top of it uh spend a lot of time digging it's it's hard it's laborious um you know and sometimes you feel like you put in a lot of work for very little return but uh it's fascinating what happens this time of year and the information and sometimes misinformation that gets sent around but uh all is well and it's kind of actually nice this year because uh, everything's earlier, and I think it's going to be a little more compact because of the signing period. These schools want their coaches, if they're making a change or if their coach leaves, they, they want to get it done quickly um, so that they can get their new coach in out on the road uh, to be prepared for early signing. So it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case, and the early signing period is clearly a factor. It's also interesting to file a column after a couple of hours of work and then a couple hours after a live, it seems to be totally outdated. But, of course, we have to start with what's going on with the Tennessee situation. I've never seen anything like it before. I'm guessing you've never seen anything like it before. And folks have been in this business a decade or two longer than us have probably never seen anything like it before. Just the current temperature of the room on Rocky Top. Let's just skip ahead to the final solution here. Who is going to take this job it seems like whoever does, it's going to be about sixth or seventh on the original list. I don't know ultimately what direction they're going to go or who's going to take it. Um, obviously, Sunday was a disastrous day for Tennessee, and they have to start over. And So yesterday, I think they were reassessing and contacting different people. I think that you're now in a position where uh, you probably will have to go 
at least make an attempt to get somebody in, in the Tennessee family. And that's why a lot of people think it, it could end up being T. Martin. Uh, he would be kind of a uniting hire uh, right now. And uh, I don't know if he's prepared for the job at all. But uh, it would at least initially be something that, that people would get behind. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the direction it ends up. But there could be some other names in the mix. Now, it seems to me like the athletic director, John Curry, I don't know how he could have done a poorer job start to finish on that. He's fairly new on the job. I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. Why would the administration and the higher-ups at Tennessee right now, why do they even let him in the building? Why are they going to let him make this call? He certainly doesn't seem long for Knoxville after what we're seeing on social media and the like. What happened here is a little bit unfair, uh, especially to John Curry. I mean, he came in as the athletic director this year. Um, you know, one of the reasons why he, he so desperately wanted Butch Jones to succeed was because he knew how hard a coaching search was going to be. And he knew that the level of candidates that Tennessee was going to be able to attain was not the level that fans want or expect. Um, and it's not just John Group. I mean, John Gruden was always a pipe dream, but there are a lot of other coaches out there, sitting head coaches, power five head coaches. I mean, you had people over the weekend coming up with a Chris Peterson rumor. Chris Peterson would not coach at Tennessee if, if it was the only program on the planet. No chance. Um, so the problem is you have this misinformation out there. You have a level of expectation that's insane. You know, in the middle of the season, just as a for instance, I threw out that if I were Tennessee, I would really try to hone in on Chad Morris because I thought, you know, what he brings to the table as a head coach and with his background would be really intriguing at Tennessee. I got killed on social media among the Tennessee fan base for suggesting Chad Morris, uh, that he is not the level of coach that, that would be acceptable to Tennessee, that he's, you know, has a losing record at SMU, yada, yada, yada. It tells me two things. One, those people just don't know anything about coaching, and they don't know anything about college football. Uh, They don't know how to evaluate what is and what is not important in evaluating somebody in their resume. Number two, it also tells me they're totally unrealistic about what the job is. And I would say as of today, given everything that's happened, they'd be lucky to, to get a Chad Morris who might end up at Mississippi State. I mean, if you're Chad Morris and you have an offer side-by-side for Mississippi State and Tennessee, you probably take Mississippi State, given what we now know about this, this ridiculous, venomous snake pit uh, that you have to walk into with your family, uh, in addition to being a total rebuild. So Tennessee fans, I don't think, understand what they've done here. And if you're John Curry, your job that you were given a year ago or less than a year ago was in case you had to make a change. You had to go hire a coach. And I think that to, to basically not trust John Curry to make that call and, and to have basically a fan booster revolt veto on the job that he was hired to do. And John Curry, the, the failures of the last 10 years are not his fault. He had nothing to do with that. Um, I just think it's ridiculous that that, that – you hire a guy to be your AD, and then you don't let him do his job. If if he brings in Greg Schiano and Greg Schiano fails, so be it. Then you know, then you fire him. But 
this is this was going to be the the defining hire of his tenure, and I think he had a I think he read the temperature of the marketplace very well. And Greg Gianna was an accomplished head coach, uh, who I thought would have been very intriguing in Knoxville, but uh, now I just I, it's a, the whole thing's a, a tire fire. Yeah, there's no other way to look at it. You know, I covered the SEC for a living. I have to deal with these 14 fan bases on a regular basis, and by far the most contentious relationship I have whether it's just with readers in the comments section or people who follow me on Twitter, is Tennessee. And you talked about expectation. You said that in your previous answer a couple of times. What are the expectations for this program right now? This is the fourth coaching search in the last decade, and I have all these loyalists, all these VFL types, and all these GBO types who are telling me this is a top 10 job in America because of history and facilities and fan support, et cetera, et cetera. Lane Kiffin was not the first choice for this job. Derek Dooley was not the first choice for this job. Butch Jones was not the first choice for this job. If this is a top 10 job in America, how come all the top 10 candidates keep saying no? I think this is a top 20 job in America, but based on what's happened the last 48, 72 hours, I'm starting to wonder if it's a top 30 job, to be perfectly honest. Well, I don't know where you, you rank it, but it's, it's, it's about more than just a ranking. It's about where somebody feels comfortable doing their job. And you know, good coaches are typically in places where they know they can win and where they know they're comfortable. And so it's hard to move them. And, you know, especially to a place where they feel like the fan base is crazy and, and the expectations are out of control. You know, Dan Mullen was ready to leave uh, Mississippi State. He'd been there nine years. It was time for a change. Uh, there were a lot of jobs that were going to be open. I would say on Friday or on Saturday, at some point, maybe early Saturday, both Tennessee and Dan Mullen believed that he was going to be the next coach of Tennessee, and that would have been a great hire for Tennessee. But Florida swooped in and, and made sure that that didn't happen. Um, so now, you know, here we are, uh, and, and they had to go to their third choice at Tennessee, which was Greg Schiano. But, um, you know, I just think people don't really understand that, that moving somebody like Dan Mullen, who's been a successful head coach at the Power 5 level, is just not very easy to do. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens now. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Dan Mullen. That's exactly where I wanted to take the conversation next. But that sort of proves my point with a lot of these Tennessee fans. They had Dan Mullen in hand. As you said, nine years in Mississippi State. He couldn't take that program any further. Incredible resume, what he does with quarterbacks, experience in the league. There was a chance to get this guy, but instead he waited around and was hoping Florida would pick up the phone and call. That's what happened. So if he thought Tennessee was the place to go, he had the chance. He went to Florida instead. I find it a little strange that he's the third choice for Florida after Chip Kelly didn't work out and Scott Frost didn't prove to be super interested. But I think this is an absolute home run hire for Florida. I think there's reason to believe that the Gators will be back and competing for the East right away because this is a guy who has done less with more than probably any coach in the SEC the last decade. Pardon me, more with less is what I was trying to say. Yeah, I don't really know if it, I can evaluate properly what kind of shape the, the Florida roster is in right now. Uh, after the last couple of years, I, a lot of those Muschamp guys cycled out. And, you know, Muschamp, uh, I thought recruited exceptionally well there, especially on defense. And, and the, as those guys left, McElwain won less and less. So I don't know what, what 
kind of talent level they really have. But Mullen is a good hire, and you know he's he's done it. He's understands the league. He understands the pressure of of the environment he's walking into, uh, and he's a he's a dang good ball coach. And so I think uh, yeah, you'll see him get that thing right in pretty short order. Now, of course, Mullen's reputation is quarterback whisperer. He's got Dan. Mull- I'm sorry, he's got. You know, Tim Tebow on his resume and Dak Prescott on his resume and Nick Fitzgerald on his resume. Is there any reason to believe, I know we're very early in the evaluation of the roster, but any reason to believe that Felipe Franks is going to develop into some sort of 3,000-yard passer and be successful in the SEC? Or chances are he's hitting the reset button. Maybe Matt Corral, the hot recruit coming in. Maybe this is a transfer situation where you need to hold it over until a kid like Corral is ready in the system. Um, I don't know. You know, Dan Mullen's a really good evaluator and coach of quarterbacks, and I think that, uh, uh, you know, Mullen uh, will, you know, that's going to be his job number one is to figure out what he's got at the quarterback position and what he needs uh, to go out and recruit. So, you know, I, I think whenever you make a change like this, you have to look much more at the long term than the short term. So, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not as concerned about is it going to be Felipe Franks, is it this guy, is it that guy. You know, I think you, you have this entire change of, of the culture and of the offense. and you know, we'll, I, we'll see what, what shakes out. And, you know, year one may be just kind of piecing it together. And then by year two, you know, I think you'll have a much better sense of, of kind of where Dan Mullen uh, feels like he is with, with this program. Now, the SEC conversation is not very deep in terms of who takes over at Mississippi State. Clearly, Dan Mullen is a big loss. Eight consecutive bowl games, just unheard of for that program before he got there. They're not going to get a big-name guy because it's not a big-name program. But some of the names you're hearing, Joe Moorhead, who's the OC at Penn State, very fun offense to watch. Jeremy Pruitt, who's the defensive coordinator at Alabama. He was also D.C. at Florida State and Georgia. Long track record of success. Do you see either one of those guys, A, being ready for a big job, B, maybe a good fit in Starkville? Yeah, I think Mississippi State's got some intriguing options, and they're really looking at uh, a a variety of people who've got a variety of experience. And uh, I think that a lot of it's going to come down to feel, and, you know, John Cohen is a – John Cohen is a former coach. Uh, you know, he was the baseball coach there, and so I think he maybe looks at these guys a little bit differently um, than your typical administrator. I think he looks for for certain qualities that you know, kind of coach to coach. Uh, and from what you've heard, I mean, he wants a guy who's you know not not a not a salesman or anything like that. So I mean, somebody who's a you know a really you know hardcore football coach. And so I think he's got the right kind of people. Uh, you know, Joe Moorhead brings an incredible offense um you know you've got uh i've heard chad morris involved from smu and we've got some defensive guys in there jeremy pruitt um who's you know won a national championship at florida state and worked for you know nick saban and you know he's kind of the next guy up on on that tree to get a head coaching job so i I think mississippi state's going to end up in a really good place uh i I don't know which direction they're going to go they've still got some more interviews to do um but uh, by the end of the week, they're going to have a head coach, and I, I have a sense it's probably going to be a pretty good one. You're listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Our guest is USA Today national columnist Dan Walken. And if, you're, if you are listening, you know the South loves football, and you know what the South also loves? Crystal Burgers. 
That's right. Crystal, home of the classic Crystal Burger. They're a Saturday Down South sponsor this year and ready to hook you up for your tailgate. The classic Crystal, the one you grew up with, the one you loved in college way after midnight, only 79 cents all day, every day, as many as you want, still just 79 cents a pop. And best of all, Crystal is taking care of our readers and listeners this fall. Text SDS right now to 37793, and you're going to get two free crystals and a drink. You've got free crystals, 79-cent crystals every day. I guarantee if you show up to your tailgate with a steamer pack full of crystals, you're going to be treated like the hero that you are. Stop by your local crystal today. All right, Dan, let's go ahead and move on to Texas A&M, another very intriguing coaching search. Kevin Sumlin was sort of a victim of his own success. 11 wins with Johnny Football in 2012, was never able to match that. He's out of the job. And Jimbo Fisher is the name being thrown around. Full disclosure, I'm a Florida State alum. I would be positively shocked if this happens. Florida State to Texas A&M doesn't make any sense to me. There's clearly some smoke. Do you believe there's actual fire? Remains to be seen, and I think you know. Hopefully, things will become more clear in the next few days. But you know, to me, this is different, and uh, this is different than the LSU deal. Um, the LSU deal, I never took seriously. Uh, you know, my my sources basically said, you know, this was all one-sided. It was all coming from LSU, and that the interest really wasn't reciprocal. That Jimbo at that point in time had no interest in leaving, and 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 no interest in in giving up the situation out of Florida State. But, you know, this is a different deal right now. I mean, he's coming off a bad season. He's going to have to make huge staff changes. Uh, and I think he knows that. You know, and I think also as a coach, you, sometimes you get to a point in your career, you ask yourself, you know, can you get it back? Um, you know, he obviously rescued that thing and, and built it back up to become a national contender. But it, it has not – he's not done a great job maintaining it. And now they've dipped. Can you have the same message – that you had before and, and get it back to where it was. And I think that's, that's a hard thing for coaches to grapple with sometimes as opposed to, okay, you can go to A&M and yeah, maybe it's not as good of a job, but it's got all the stuff you need to win big and it's in the SEC and your message may resonate better there um, because people are going to be excited about it. And, and uh, you know, you, you rebuilt before and you can rebuild again uh, and you know, maybe that's, as a coach, a, just a better fit for what he, he can do. So I, I think there's a chance it'll happen. I'm not saying it will. I'm not saying it won't. But I, I've heard nothing to dissuade me from the idea that there's a legitimate chance. Now, it seems to me that Texas A&M is almost trying to buy its way into being a real national player. Now, historically, this is a good program, not a great one. But we know how much oil money is there and the facilities are amazing and the giant Kyle Field with the fan base and recruiting the state of Texas is every bit as rich as the state of Florida. But again, historically, they don't have, you know, the national championships and the Heisman Trophy winners and the All-Americans like a Florida state has the last couple of decades. So this seems like a step down if Jimbo would make this move. But do you think he could go to Texas A&M with the same message, with the same philosophy and win as big as he has at Florida State in an ACC that's not nearly as deep. And going up against Nick Saban every year, I don't think anybody really wants to sign up for that. Well, I, I, I understand what you're saying, uh, you know, but the, the truth is that, you know, all the jobs are hard. Everybody 
everybody's got challenges, and and I think we we look at these coaching jobs sometimes not the same way coaches do. Um, you know, it's not always what's you know what's best. It's what's best for you right now. Um, you know, so clearly, if you're talking about just what's a better job, if you're Jimbo Fisher, yeah, you probably should have taken the LSU job, but you know, at that particular time, it wasn't in his mind a situation that was better for him than, than trying to, you know, win at Florida State. But, you know, it's just for whatever reason, it's gotten a little bit stale there. Um, you know, and, and a lot of that's on him as the head coach, 100%. But, uh, you know, I just think it's to, to dismiss Texas A&M and to say, uh, you know, they can't win a championship there, I think is, is, is not accurate. I mean, I'm not – Again, it's not like it's been done a whole bunch of times there or anything like that. I think everyone understands that. But you look at what they put into the program from a resources standpoint and where they're located and being you know, in the SEC, uh, it, it, it's a place with a chance if you can harness all that. And you know, coaches have egos. And I don't think Jimbo looks at it like, you know, I, I go to A&M, I can't win a championship. I, he doesn't look like that at all. Um, He's won a national championship, and I'm, I'm sure he feels like he could do it again somewhere else. Let's keep it in the West with Arkansas. Five years was enough for Brett Bielema. He looked like he was on the way year one, two, and three, but four was a little bit of a disappointment, and five, this campaign, clearly a big, big mess. You know what? You're never going to fire a more popular or a more liked coach. His players love him. The fans wanted him to succeed just because of who he is as a person, the gregarious personality. But where does Arkansas go? This seems like a very strange job. Again, you're in the murderer's row of SEC West. It's not a great state to recruit. You got to compete with Louisiana and compete with Texas and try to get some of those kids. Who are some of the names on this list? And honestly, how much success can you have at Arkansas? Well, I, I think you look at Bobby Petrino and, and what he did there, and you look at the Houston Nut era, they had some really good teams, some really good years. Definitely. Uh, Arkansas is a place that, that it, it has been done before and it will be done again. I'm not saying winning a national championship or anything like that, but um, you know they've won, they've won big under multiple coaches. And so uh, I, I tend to believe that you know when things fall the right way and with the right person in charge Arkansas is a pretty good job I'm not saying it's a it's the best job in the SEC or anything like that but you know I mean we I think we make a little too much of oh it's in the SEC West they'll never win um you know everything cycles and everything is you know you you look at this year um you know I don't think beating beating any of those teams LSU A&M Ole Miss Mississippi State you know it's not it's not like you're you were playing top five teams every week there's a lot of wins out there. And so I, I think that, that Arkansas is a, a potentially good opportunity. It's a nice place to live. It's got resources. Um, it's a it's a different recruiting challenge because it's, it's not as much in-state. But, hey, um, you know, I, I just think that, that you have to uh, you have to be a little bit open-minded about the idea that, that you know, some of these jobs are, 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 are going to, you know, that, that you can win at a lot of different places. Um, and, and so I think Arkansas, you know, I, 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 the biggest concern to me right now for them would be just sort of their administrative disarray, um, pushing out Jeff Long and not having an AD. That would, to me, be the thing that uh, would scare me off. The last school I want to talk to you about is Ole Miss. You know, Matt Luke 
coach this past season as the interim in the wake of the disaster with Hugh Freeze. And honestly, I think six and six was pretty good considering how much noise around that program. He gets promoted to full time. Honestly, I don't think the Rebels had anywhere else to go. The NCAA vultures are still swirling above. He did a pretty decent job. He has Oxford ties on both sides of his family. This seems like the type of situation where you can make a feel-good story and give him the full-time job. You don't have to make a huge financial commitment because if you really did see who else was out there, who is going to say yes to Ole Miss considering what's going on right now? It was clearly not the best circumstances to try to hire a coach. I think we all understand that. And so I am I think what they did is, is reasonable and rational. Uh, you know, I think maybe you could have – tried to push it another week and see if the NCAA, you know, issued their their ruling uh, sometime this week so that candidates would have a better idea of, of where everything stood. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, look, Matt Luke did a nice job this year keeping it together. It didn't – it wasn't an, an embarrassing team or anything like that. So I think you have to give him some credit there. Um, but it's a tough situation, and, and, you know, I think there was definitely – um, there was definitely a, a move there toward, you know, a bridge, you know, a bridge higher. And maybe it'll turn into something more than that. You know, maybe it'll turn into, you know, this guy's, uh, you know, the second coming of Dabo Sweeney. I don't know. But, uh, you know, for sure I think that, um, uh, you know, I think that Ole Miss kind of did what they felt like they had to do given that, you know, some of the more established candidates just weren't going to come under these circumstances. All right, last question for you here. What is more likely in Oxford right now? That Matt Luke coaches for another year or two, you know, some sanctions come down, you lose some scholarships, he wins four or five games a year, and then they get an opportunity to hire a big name in, say, 2019 or 2020. Or, as you said, maybe Matt Luke is a little bit of a sleeping giant here. Maybe he just needed an opportunity. Maybe his ties to Ole Miss are so strong that he can turn that program into relevancy again. Because, frankly, with what Coach Freeze did there, whether he was doing things under the table or not is another conversation. But Ole Miss was relevant basically for the first time since the 60s. Yeah, well, uh, they were. Um, you know, how they attained that relevance is, is under, uh, I think, is, has been the reason the NCAA spent so much time focusing on them. Um, and, and they found a lot of violations. Uh, so, you know, the next coach there has got to operate totally – in, in the clean zone, you know, no gray area, no bending the rules. The boosters are going to have to be put to the side uh, because that there's still going to, you know, if, if there's any more NCAA missteps, as ugly as it is now, it's going to get even uglier. So it's, it's a tough time for them. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, I just don't know enough about Matt Luke to, to know what kind of staff he's going to put together, how he's going to recruit, all that stuff. Dan, thank you so much for joining me on the show. I know it's a very tough time of year for you to find half an hour. So I appreciate it. No, no problem. Thank you. That was USA Today national columnist Dan Walken. Remember to follow him on Twitter at Dan Walken. And thank you for listening to the Saturday Down South podcast. Special thanks to our friends at WDAE in Tampa, as well as our sponsors, SweetHop.com and Crystal. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe on iTunes or wherever your favorite podcast can be found. And be sure to give the show a rating as well. My name is John Christ, and for all SEC all the time, visit SaturdayDownSouth.com.